podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Football Fanalytics Podcast in association with 23. This is the show that explores the ever-growing world of football analytics and takes on the many tactical and topical discussions within the game. It's episode 48 and we're reflecting on a great year for the podcast. My name is Ryan Bailey and joining me as ever, it's my good friend Mark Carey. Mark, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Ryan. I will refrain from saying Happy New Year just yet. We've still got a couple more days uh, until the it's New Year. It's not quite Merry Christmas either, is it? It's kind of that, that weird bit in the middle. Yeah, I, I never know what quite to do. It's always the time of the year where you work in dates rather than days. The only time of the year that I do that. <laughs> Happy um, 29th of December. I know, yeah. But, uh, I give the game away there when we record it. Um, but no, I'm good, thanks, Ryan. How are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. Um, what a year it's been, Mark. It's the 29th of December and uh, 2021 has been a bit of a year for football, hasn't it? We, uh, we had the return of the fans after the pandemic, uh, the drama of the European Super League, which I realised was absolute yonks ago. Hmm. Uh, we had a bonkers summer transfer window with all the big names moving clubs. It's been a bit of a year for, uh, for football talking, hasn't it? It has indeed. We haven't even included the European Championship in that. I know, I know. They, it fell down the list, didn't it? In the, <laughs> in the back of everything else. So much, so much to talk about. And I feel like we we covered as much as we could uh, in terms of the kind of the current events. We often do that in the intros, don't we? I think mm. that's something good about, hopefully, about our podcast, where we try to keep things kind of evergreen in terms of the main topics. But it's always nice to... We have to acknowledge some of the, the bonkers things that have gone on. Lionel Messi going to PSG as another. Cristiano Ronaldo going to United. I know, I know. That was the first thing I thought. And uh, we need to address the uh, episode uh, elephant in the room, Mark. I don't know if any listeners might remember at the start of this year, we made some New Year's resolutions. Actually, probably got, could have got away with not mentioning it, really. But <laughs> I've just gone ahead and done it anyway. Um, we we are, One of our goals this year was to get to 50 episodes, wasn't it? Um, and this is episode 48, <laughs> painfully close, but because of busy lives and everything, we, we didn't quite make it over the line. So for the listeners, if you uh, if you could think of this episode as a three-part special uh, yeah, and, and, and celebrate us making to episode 50, that'd be great. But um, but yeah, apart from that, Mark, I mean, it's been a great year, hasn't it, for the podcast? Yeah, and let's let's reframe that, Ryan. Let's say that we were preferring to go for quality rather than quantity, yes, which yes, I think okay. hopefully we have achieved. We've had some great guests on. We've covered a whole host of topics, whether that's tactical, analytical, whatever it might be. Um, and it, yeah, we've said it multiple times. Let's be straight here. We've just been so, so busy that we've not been able to mm. keep up with a, a regular weekly um, podcast. But the listeners have still kept with us, stuck with us and listened and been very kind in some of the messages that they have sent. Um, so please do keep sending the messages. And what I guess I want to say, which we said in the past, Ryan, is for people to continue to, I guess, pass the pod because mm. we can only be listened to by those who know that we exist. And let's let's try and get more people to listen to us next year, I suppose. Absolutely. And I think we've actually along the way this year, our following certainly seems to have grown quite nicely, doesn't it, in terms of picking up more listeners along the way. So for those who might have uh, started listening to the Fanalytics podcast later on in the year, I think this episode actually might be quite a good one for you to uh, to sort of go back and look at some of the things we referenced. Because what yeah. we're going to do, we're going to have a bit of a a bit of a look back at 2021 uh, and some of the things that we've uh, 
some sort of highlights and a few concepts and things that we've learned along the way. A bit of a best of, if you will. So if uh, along the way in this episode, take a couple of notes, you know, go mm-hmm. back and look at some of the other episodes. We, we always try and make these episodes not time specific. So I think you can go back and, uh, and have a listen. Um, so without giving the game away, Mark, should we get into the crux of this episode and, uh, and take a look back at the, the fantastic year that 2021 <laughs> has been for the podcast? Yeah, let's take a trip down memory lane. Let's go for it. So the podcast has been going for over a year and a half now, which is quite exciting, Mark, isn't it? We're, we're still going, about to enter our third year. And we thought what we'd do is play something of a game of podcast episode tennis, if that's a, if that's a thing, and, uh, and take a look back at some of the things that we've learned along the way this year. And I say we, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> things that, mostly things that I've learned over the year uh, <laughs> that you've taught. But, you know, for the purposes of, you know, sharing the love, we'll, uh, we'll say we. Um, and, and we thought it'd be quite good, didn't we, to, to sort of pick out 10 points of highlights, I guess, of things that we've looked at this year, which seems to have got a good response and certainly for me have been really informative. So should we, um, should we, should we take a look at some of the things we've looked at, Mark? Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I haven't actually counted how many we've done in 2021, Ryan. We've done 48 in total. I don't know how many we kind of got through this year. Um, I could tell you that it's uh, that we did 28 this year because oh. I was hoping that you know having not made 50 we might have done 21 episodes and made it a thing but we actually overshot that so 28 episodes this year Mark oh well there you go we should probably talk before the podcast recording <laughs> communication um, yeah but no this is good uh, yeah let's have a game of podcast episode tennis let's have it do you want me to to kick us off then um, you serve I serve love it <laughs> no we can't don't let's not start this yeah, yeah you kick us off yeah. Anyway, yeah, let's let's start kind of going back to the start of the year, which feels like a, you know, I mean, obviously it was a year ago, but it feels like far more than that, was that one thing we spoke about, which actually went down quite well with a lot of people. We've got a lot of messages of people who were getting into football analytics and saying that they really like this episode, which is good, um, was an analysis that, that I did way back when um, for a championship club. Um, and it was talking about sort of, it was called uh, Maximising the Market. So this is back at episode 20, which I think was our first of the, the year. Um, and the idea around it was kind of the the principle of players moving between leagues and how their performance and specifically their metrics change from one league to another. So mm-hmm. let's say um, a player playing in the German Bundesliga scores 10 goals. If they then move to the Premier League, how much is 10 goals worth in the Bundesliga when moving to the Premier League? arguably something maybe around seven goals because the difficulty of that league is a lot higher so i think obviously people can go back to to that episode and get the sort of full details of the analysis but i think the principle was really interesting ryan because we've seen it again this season and we were talking about it at the time midway through last season we were talking about in the premier league we were talking about timo Werner Mm. um, and kai havertz not quite you know hitting the ground running for chelsea having moved from the bundesliga and we're sort of seeing it this year with a few kind of high-profile examples with yeah. Jaden Sancho struggling at Manchester yep. United, also struggling to get in the first 11. That's another thing. Um, and Romelu Lukaku, who made a fantastic start in his return to Chelsea. And uh, granted, his injuries have obviously sort of curtailed some of his, his minutes. But even before his injury, and even since coming back from injury, he hasn't got that many minutes. Don't know whether he's just because he's not up to speed. Um his performances haven't been, or his goal-scoring performances haven't been quite maybe as high as they were at Inter Milan when he's playing in Serie A. So I think the principle is is really interesting of that 
that comparison between leagues and the strength of the leagues influencing perhaps what a player's metrics might be, which is obviously very useful in the transfer market and from a recruitment perspective for clubs. 100%. With Lukaku, it's a bit of a weird one, really, isn't it? Because he actually, the first game he played, was against Arsenal? I can't remember, but he was an absolute bulldozer, wasn't he? Who had, uh, we haven't seen Pablo Mari since, I don't think. Honestly, um, well, it's because he's still in Lukaku's pocket. I've never seen such yeah. a dominant <laughs> display of a strike. Well, I've rarely seen such a dominant yeah. display from a striker. And Pablo Mari made the mistake of playing into Lukaku's hands. I've just, mm. obviously, Lukaku just pinned Mari back and just spun him every time. The trick with Lukaku is obviously or often to take a step off him and let him sort of have the space and then approach him from there. Don't yeah. get don't get too tight to him because he'll just pin you. Um, yeah. And he was he was brilliant. And you thought, okay, he's going to dominate this league now. Um, but it's he, kind of curtailed a little bit, hasn't it? It hasn't really kind of carried on yeah that, he had a couple of sitters vein. I think ever since then um, for Chelsea and he's not been terrible and he's had injuries so you know time will tell but again it just goes back to that sort of principle of players maybe not hitting the ground running it's rare to see players hit the ground mm. running when coming from another league so um, that was a good episode I really enjoy speaking about that with, with you absolutely it's also quite interesting on that vein I mean I don't think in the episode we actually covered the difference between uh, the domestic league steps did we either, which we we sort of spoke about what the Bundesliga would be in comparison to the Premier League kind of thing. But actually, teams coming up from the Championship has been quite a good thing to look at, hasn't it? Because a team like Brentford seem to have actually settled very, very well and had a really kind of good start, haven't they? Whereas our friends at Norwich, I'm afraid, hmm. it's not going quite so well, is it? You know, players like Ivan Tony have come up and sort of looked very at home, haven't they? Playing at Premier League level, you, you know, is that is that sort of the similar similar thing? Yeah, and this is the key to the podcast, and I always come back to about the context, but this is a really important one because it was the analysis was kind of looking on a player-by-player basis. If they go from League X to League Y, what would their you know difference in their metrics and their performance and their output be? Um, but that's a really interesting one, obviously, at the team level, and you've got to account for that as well, haven't you? When If, if Brentford, more or less a settled squad um, from the team that, the team and the squad that got them up to the Premier League have done fairly well with under Thomas Frank. A really cohesive system as a team. They've done really well. So it's the the individuals and their performances there are a product of the the positive team uh, performance as well. So yeah. that extra context is really really important to say that yes, there's probably not been too much of a change in terms of their actual performance. Um, but that's because they know they're they're well drilled within a very specific system under Thomas Frank. So we didn't cover that quite as much, but it's it's something that you'd absolutely have to take into account when considering this if you were thinking about it from a recruitment perspective. Absolutely. And speaking of being well drilled in a in a certain system. Oh, love that segue. <laughs> Point number two, which was another episode very early on, something that I certainly, you know, learned and have, have been taken a lot more notice of this year is the is the topic of uh, pressing. Obviously, now you know, let's 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 be honest. I obviously knew the idea of closing people down and stuff, but we did a really good episode, uh, which went down very well actually. At sort of episode twenty two, a pressing issue where we learned uh, about the concept of PPDA uh, and sort of what the difference between an effective press. And then a good individual pressure was the sort of the difference between those two things. And um, and then little did we know that later on in the year, I, I think you'd hear the word pressing every other conversation when you talk about football, really, because it became such a prominent topic, didn't it? In terms of especially with uh, with Mr. Ragnick coming and taking over Man United. Mm-hmm. I think it, it, it it's something that seemed to be on everyone's lips a little bit more, didn't it? The word pressing. Did you, did you feel like that sort of within the circles that you were discussing? 
Yeah, and it's something which I remember saying in the episode is that pressing, and it's quite an important point to make here, is that pressing existed has existed for the whole time that everyone's been playing football. But the yeah, yeah. The, the more recent phenomenon which you say is that there's just a bit of a better way to now measure it and measure it accurately, yeah. and that's using PPDA. And I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, Ryan. What, if you recall, does PPDA stand for? Well, I, I can answer that, Mark. <laughs> it's uh, passes per defensive action. Yes. That, that's right. That's, that's right. right. I know. Well I, I feel like this is going to be a test a little bit throughout the episode. <laughs> so that's one out of one currently. Let's keep that score for when I fall on my face later on. There we go. Uh, but yes, that's what it means. That's exactly what it means. Exactly. So, um, you know, people can go back to episode 22. We go into it in, in far greater detail. But PPDA being that proxy of yeah pressing intensity, the, the lower the number in PPDA value, the, the higher the defensive intensity is the idea. And something which we cover in the, the episode is that which some people maybe don't know is that it only refers to the kind of the final 60 percent of the pitch so so i suppose if you're the uh, attacking team it's from kind of the edge of the center circle from in your half forward mm-hmm. so it shows that kind of pressing intensity with the intention of actually pressing maybe high up because you have to press when you're you're in your own box because you've got to try and stop yeah, of course. shooting and scoring so um we cover it in great detail uh, in that episode and people can can go back to episode 22, pressing issue. I really enjoyed speaking about that one. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's certainly one that from a, when you watch a game of football now for from the untrained analytics eye, I certainly find myself, I don't find myself counting passes between the defenders, but I'm very aware of how long the defenders are taking passing it amongst themselves. And, and for the, for the most layman terms of it, it's, you know, it's literally how many passes they put between each other isn't it, until someone goes and gets the ball back off them which you know so so once once i saw that i very quickly thought oh that's actually something that i can look at and learn a little bit more about how teams how teams are sort of being aggressive really and it and it kind of it makes you watch it in a different way from yeah. from what i did before so yeah i would highly recommend that episode to uh, to anyone like myself who wasn't aware of it before it was it's a good one okay so that brings me on to my go again and sort of working through the year now I guess was that I guess the headline of one of our episodes was that the league table can sometimes lie um, which is sort of the case um, when we were speaking about expected points um, and looking at the league table in terms of expected points so I think this was episode 24 where we called it what's the x point which first of all as well Ryan you absolutely love thinking of fun ideas for the names of our episodes and i mean i enjoy it too but it's just we... about my biggest contribution <laughs> no we do like to have a bit of fun with the uh with the titles not take ourselves too seriously but yeah this was uh a really good one in kind of unpicking it had a bit of sort of statistical um analysis actually in that i remember speaking about the monte carlo simulation for all those in, in wanting to know um but it was speaking about yeah the expected points table rather than necessarily the league table which is obviously influenced by uh, the outcome obviously by who who won the game but not necessarily who maybe deserved to win the game um, which can be a greater indication of kind of future performance so it's based on the idea of expected goals um, which was right back to episode one that we've spoken about Ryan but uh, expected goals for and against um, aggregated into to a league table in terms of who deserved to win the game based on the expected points um, the expected goals from the game I should say so it was a really interesting one. I think we were speaking about it in the context of last season and Sheffield United and, and teams like that. Um, I think it was in the context of Chelsea um, shortly after they'd sacked Frank Lampard, which was mm, interesting yeah. looking at where they are now. 
um, and Brighton, who obviously had their expected goals were an expected goal difference was really good last season. Mm. Kind of okay this season, really, but obviously their points weren't anywhere near what their performances suggested. So um, it's a it's a really interesting one to look at that sort of underlying performance and how that relates to the the rest of the league. Um, and I think Chelsea this season are quite an interesting one as well, where I think I've spoke about it at work, where their expected goal difference, if we were to do it based on that, so obviously the quality of chances that they are creating and conceding is, you know, added together, is kind of far lower than Manchester City and Liverpool. So, is it? So you think about that kind of smaller margin that at the moment, I think, across this season so far, they're ever so slightly overperforming in terms of in front of goal and overperforming in, in terms of conceding fewer than the chances that, that they've allowed. Yeah. So together as an indication of future performance, which expected goals for and against is good at, maybe they won't mount a title challenge quite as strong as, as Manchester City and Liverpool. Now, that can that can change. That's not to say that they won't. They've had injury issues. There's all the context around that. Don't get me wrong. And at the time of recording, they have the same number of points as Liverpool. So it's not to say yeah. that, that that's not going to happen. But um, it's interesting to look at it from that perspective to say, OK, well, between the different teams, what is the, the quality of chances that they're creating and conceding and using that as an indication of maybe how they'll perform for the rest of the season? So I remember that one being a, a good, fun one to look at and maybe suggest, I guess, for this season... Brentford are kind of the Brighton of this season, where if you look at them in the yeah. context of the league table, they actually should be a little bit higher up, but they haven't been maybe um, scoring quite as much as the chances that they created. Am I right in thinking there's a sort of live expected points table you can look at to see where teams would be based on this sort of theory? Yeah, so this is, we said this in the episode, didn't we? It was um, There's an understat expected points uh, table um, and yeah, they use kind of slightly different data to to sometimes the the ones that we've used, which is sometimes StatsBomb data, of course, sometimes twenty three data. I yes, don't know if I always. told you, Ryan, but we are in association with twenty three. Final time I say it this year. I was going to say I'd love to know how many times this year you'd said it. That'd be interesting. Twenty three times, probably way more. But that would be yeah. that would be good if I'd have said it twenty three times, <laughs> just to stay on brand. Love it on brand. We're all about the brand. But yeah, I remember that being a being a good one. Episode 24, What's the X Point? I, I really enjoyed it. Good, good. And, uh, well, point number four then, moving on, and certainly something that I've learned uh, this year, but but I think a lot, a lot more people seem to have learned and be aware of, is that football analytics is on the up, Mark, <laughs> I would say. And you'll remember that uh, around episode 28, we had the football analytics debate, which was... A really important episode, we thought, because we sort of just, you know, we weren't discussing a model or a concept or, or a theory. We, we just sort of were discussing the the two sides of perhaps conversation that we've we've had with multiple people just about the idea of football analytics and statistics and, and data. And, you know, and, and then on the other side, you know, sort of stats are pointless and you know not liking the the sort of analysis level of the game at the moment and it's and it's obviously a really interesting conversation with merits on both sides but I think it's since we chatted even more so there seems to have been an interest in the mainstream media even more than there was at the time when when we were sort of talking about it being up and coming wasn't there um Monday Night Football you know is obviously one of our favorites and and there's knows no boundaries in terms of introducing new things does it I remember around sort of September time expected threat made its way into yeah. into mainstream conversation which is something that we never would have 
you know, predicted mm-hmm. early on this year. Um, it seems to be something that's more covered, doesn't it? And obviously, you know, yourself having been a year at the Athletic now, you must be seeing a more of a shift in interest towards articles and stuff on data, I would imagine, and and more in depth analysis. Is that fair to say? Absolutely fair to say, yeah. And I think on that episode, the episode twenty eight, I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, the most listened to episode I think that we've had this year as well, which I think yep. goes to yep. show the the interest in in the debate and, and you know coming at it from both sides and i remember saying we both said in the in that episode that it's not one against the other is it it's coming together and just accepting that the the two can exist uh, in tandem in terms of you know consuming your football as a as a complete just football fan just wanting to enjoy the match or you can enjoy it you know with a bit of you know numbers and statistics so yeah, I, I think on the the increase in terms of the the uptake in statistics and data, um, I think we have seen a, a better reception um, to it, and obviously the fact that more and more people are getting hired within clubs and within the media um, suggests that there's there's obviously a bigger call for it. So that in itself shows that it's it's obviously getting more and more popular and important, as I say, within a club. Um, and I think one thing as well is that it doesn't have to be really complex you know expected threat models it can be kind of simple low-hanging fruit you know in terms of a really simple one of let's say shots for and against if you map that together across all the teams in the league for example you can get an indication of just who is maybe yeah loose at the back but also you know likes to pepper the goal going forward and creating narratives creating stories that aren't outrageously complex but just starting to understand maybe how a team plays just using some simple simple data and showing it in a simple way and not trying to overcomplicate it add the context around it why is that the case not just what is the case um Mm. and it can be you know really really simple to understand as well it doesn't have to be this scary concept so i think all of those things put together have have made people a bit more kind of accepting of it and i remember it being a really really important episode that we did really pleased and proud with how we sort of approached that one ryan um and it seemed to have got a good reception if you'd have told me at the time we did it mark that there'd be xg pass maps and heat maps on fifa 22 there you go i would have said well there you go we're on the way and uh, you know there are still the non-believers of course that's that's absolutely fine that you know but that's what the podcast is for, and that's what we're going to try and just keep keep making it fun, keep making it accessible, and see see if we can get more people interested in football analytics. Uh, which which you know, hopefully, 2022 will continue to do so. But what was the fifth thing we learnt this year, Mark? The fifth thing. Okay, so we're nearly halfway there, which is good. Um, we've we've been flying through these. This is great. So as I say, we're working kind of through the year here, um, and one which I thought was really fun um, was that we learnt. In theory, maybe not necessarily in practice, but there were some numbers to back it up that the most uh, lucrative, we looked where the most lucrative area to score from um, on the pitch was. And that was covered in episode 26 um, called (laughs) get in the zone dot 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 14. Now, this was uh, this was looking exactly the location, a specific area of the pitch. um, So called zone 14. So it was this is going back some years now but it essentially divides the the field into a six by three grid so 18 zones across the pitch uh in total um and we i think we put a link in the bio didn't we of episode 26 so you can mm. kind of visualize it but zone 14 was the zone located in the middle of the pitch immediately outside the penalty area 
so in terms of the the likelihood of of scoring very soon after the ball kind of reaching that zone um it was zone 14 that area just outside the penalty area that was the most lucrative uh, to score and I think we we had a bit of fun with that didn't we 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 pulled it apart we added some uh, statistics to it we we questioned it we queried it where I think we spoke about some of the best players who were sort of known to be kind the of floating tens. in the area yeah. historically the number 10s exactly um, so kind of less of a maybe a little bit less of a data heavy one we weren't talking about any models there were we but a good kind of tactical one which I think we we do quite well don't we in terms of blending that tactical and and data side just to have a bit of fun with I do enjoy a tactics one, Mark. I do, yeah. So, yeah, that brings us to halfway uh, to our top 10. Um, and I'm going to roll over on this one and carry on. Uh, Straight because to number six. We, yeah, because we sort of, it, obviously, we speak a lot about expected goals and obviously the game's all about goals, but we're kind of working around the idea of like lucrative areas and, and possession. And I think one of the early ones we did was about possession value and how much a player can contribute with their actions all over the pitch. Yep. Um, and we did cover a few kind of topics that, that also unpicked that in terms of possession um, and sort of pitch positioning. But um, we did one under that exact name, episode 31, we did prized possession, which I don't know who came up with that title, but I quite like that one. Um, <laughs> it's like a review of the titles as well, isn't it? We're covering everything today. <laughs> I know this is just like our AGM just happens to be recording. <laughs> Need <laughs> more puns. Listeners. I know, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but we, we we kind of, I remember unpicking, you know, in very simple terms, we said that, okay, you can look at possession statistics, something that's very often used at the end of a game, you know, on the television and, and online in articles and things like that, just the share of passes. But that lacks context in a very big way because you don't know whether it's just the two centre backs passing between them or whether that possession was in the, you know, the final third, whatever it was. So, this was the episode where we introduced uh, field tilt, Ryan. If yeah, you recall, I remember. Um, and I'm tilting my head just as I'm saying that, which is funny. <laughs> but um, that was that was essentially giving that extra bit of context in terms of possession of looking at it only when only considering the respective attacking thirds of the two teams. So if for example, um, Manchester City had 80 touches um, in Burnley's uh, defensive third, Manchester mm. City's attacking third, and Burnley had only 20 touches in uh, Manchester City's defensive third, their attacking third, then Manchester City would have a field tilt there of 80%, which is significant. And it shows that territorial dominance that Manchester City aren't just having possession for possession's sake, yeah. they're having it in deep into to Burnley's Dangerous uh, areas dangerous areas exactly so i remember that being a fun one and it's been used quite a lot um you know you see a lot on on twitter people talking about field tilt it was i remember it was used on monday night football which was um quite something to see because we use it a lot on on the site at the athletic and um yeah it just goes to just give that extra bit of context which i thought was good Um, well it's just showing that you know if i just hog the ball in my own half and pass it amongst my defenders i'm not really causing any problems am i but you know but i could have end up with a 70 percent possession um Mm. statistic which on paper might look like i've been absolutely dominant but if i haven't created anything from that then Mm. it doesn't necessarily mean good play does it or good dangerous attacking play so that's what I've, i've always found that one quite an interesting one when we discussed that yeah, and it's just, as, as we said, this isn't like a really complex one, but it's just adding more layers and more layers. It's useful. To the, it's useful, yeah. It's it's just an extra tool to try and understand what maybe happened in the game. Um, so that was quite a simple one. Just kind of on the, the note of possession, Ryan, before we um, go on to the next one, is that 
one a really complex one which was a really interesting one that i found and i remember getting some some good uh, messages from people about this was talking about pitch control so mm. episode 32 which is the next episode um which was a really complex model which we we tried to to unpick so i'd encourage people to actually go back to that episode and and get a real understanding for it there but it was that that idea of looking at the probability uh, that a player can control the ball if that if the ball was in a certain location so it's just looking at how much a team essentially kind of i remember saying like colors in the pitch yeah so let's say it's red versus blue that you want if the red team obviously want to have a greater dominance that they can cover more of the pitch such that if the ball were to go anywhere on the pitch they'd be able to get to it first so it's almost just uh yeah having that appreciation and dominance of space um and this was something that was pioneered by William Spearman, who is the lead data scientist at Liverpool. So it shows it's a really kind of deep and meaningful model that's and a mathematical model at that that's used um, within professional football clubs. And we, we unpicked that in great detail. Um, quite a complex one, but I, I remember enjoying kind of getting into to the weeds of exactly what was what that was about. Yeah. yeah. And, I, I you know, we've had some really nice messages, especially recently, actually, haven't we, from from people all over the world, actually, sort of yeah. messengers saying uh, interested in, in how to get into analytics and and sort of saying that our podcast coming off the back of just, you know, doing it as a bit of a hobby has actually sort of, I hate to use the word inspired, but 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 sort of made people interested in getting into analytics and 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 looking to potentially do it for work or or those kind of things, which has been really nice to hear that our sort of podcast has had that interest. Um, but I remember you saying this would actually be a good place for people to start in terms of this kind of model. If you kind of familiarise yourself with these kind of things, you, you, mm. that's a good place to start your understanding. Am I right in saying you you said that? Yeah, because I suppose that that's what. I guess this podcast is about to try and get people who have no interest in in analytics but just want to know a little bit more and just kind of yeah just find out more in general but for those who who have messaged us and said that they'd like to kind of be a an analyst or get more into the kind of the, the deep analytical stuff this is an example of an episode which is very much based on a kind of a mathematical model mm. and really kind of statistical so um yeah that the, we, we try and you know span it across all don't we bit bit for everyone but this was kind of a uh really interesting one and as i say it's used in a club which has that kind of meaning to it shows it's really an applied model um but yeah i'd encourage anyone to to listen to it if they haven't already absolutely and thank you to those who have sent those messages in now as previously mentioned mark we did fail slightly at reaching 50 episodes but alas you know happened things happen but there was another goal that we set ourselves at the start of the year expected goal yeah, an expected goal. This was actually not an expected goal. I didn't expect this to happen. An but I remember, goal. <laughs> I remember we said we we really wanted to get a former or current player on the podcast, mm. which yeah, I remember, you know, to be honest, at the very start of when we discussed the idea of doing a podcast, we thought, well, wouldn't it be amazing if one day we got a, a Premier League player on the podcast? Um so this is not necessarily something we've learned, point number seven, but more of an acknowledgement of a job well done. And uh, and we managed to get a former Premier League winner on the podcast, didn't we? Uh, in episode 34, we had the pleasure of hosting Chris Sutton on the Football Fanalytics podcast, which was a bit of a coup, really, because it was just so interesting to talk to someone who had these experiences and this, you know, sort of wealth of knowledge about how football actually works day to day but I think more than anything he was a just a really sound bloke but but we had a really good chat didn't we in a very open conversation about the idea of football 
analytics in the mainstream and you know as someone who works on uh bt sport bbc5 live and is very sort of one, one of the high-end pundits going i thought that was a real coup for the podcast so i really enjoyed that so for anyone who hasn't listened to episode 34 with chris sutton we'd highly recommend doing so wouldn't you say mark yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was it was quite surreal um, speaking to him about some of the huge names. He's speaking about Roy Hodgson and his mm. management, Kenny Dalglish and his management, Martin O'Neill when he was at Celtic. I mean, Chris Sutton. Yeah, we people will know is is a Premier League winner. He's a he's a winner of the Scottish uh, Premiership multiple times. Uh, fantastic centre forward in you know in English history. So uh, it was really good to chat to him. He was good fun, wasn't he? He was good really value good in terms of. Uh, winding us up and having a laugh and um and we yeah so we sort of spanned it across his career as you say and then got into a bit about the analytics and I think he was he still had his doubts about it I think which again kind of fits in with with what our podcast is all about that it was just a bit of an acceptance that you know he knew it existed he wasn't overly keen on it but he appreciated that it can have its value and I think we sort of ended that chat in a in a good place that we kind of compromised between us all there I think it was really a really healthy chat. Well, I was listening to Five Live a, a couple of months afterwards and he was absolutely ripping expected threat. So yeah. I was thinking, we're going to have to go for round two. We obviously didn't do the job quite as thoroughly as we thought we did. And yeah. uh, and, and we, we'll have to get him back on to discuss that, basically. True, but there was a, um, a very good thing to come out of it as well, which was that he, I think through him um, and John Murray, he put our name forward to Alistair Bruce Ball on uh, BBC Radio 5 Live to be part of the 606 or the, just in general the 5 Live Fantasy Football League which I don't think we've actually mentioned on the podcast this whole time no we haven't actually I don't know why it's so fun so far we've, we've teamed up as obviously we've done it as the Football Analytics Podcast we've not done it separately of our own individual teams but um we're going well this season, Ryan. Yeah, I don't know why we haven't mentioned this before, but we basically got entered into the Fantasy 606 head-to-head league, didn't we? And another fun, surreal thing about this podcast starting, we, we were up against Glenn Murray the other week, weren't we? We got got a win at home against Glenn Murray, which was fun. And basically Leon Osman. Leon Osman, yeah. Lost to Jermaine Beckford this weekend, which uh, which was which was a hard one to take. Uh, you know, it's been really, it's really good fun, hasn't it? And I think at some point, hopefully, they're going to get us on the Fantasy 606 podcast. So, you know, these these fun things were ticking off. I mean, fantasy football, I think something we have learned across the whole year and forever is that fantasy football, no matter how much analytics you learn about and uh, spend your time on, uh, you can't predict what happens with fantasy football, can you? That's a bonus, bonus point no. for listeners there. No, but it's kind of a microcosm that you can't always predict what happens in in football, and that's why we love it, isn't it? No. Like you can't predict that someone, you know, a team will absolutely pepper the opposition's goal, and they'll stay stoic and then go and nick a goal from a corner and win one nil. Like you just can't predict that, but that's why yeah. we love football. So, well, also, I, I, you know, thank you to Chris for getting us on that, obviously, but also we should also make a shout out to uh, our other guests that we've had on the podcast this year. Uh, big thanks to Sam Tig, Michael Bailey. Thomas Gronemark and uh, Maram. We 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 have we've had a good. They're like a good five aside team actually. When you put it together like that, you know, a, a strong five guests that we've had in the podcast. And hopefully next year we'll be able to bring you more more interesting people to talk to. I would say we should absolutely put a five aside team together <laughs> there. See, put it out on Twitter and see who would win. Put Chris Sutton in goal just for the lulls. <laughs> 
<laughs> so harsh. Um, yeah, no, I, I echo that though, Ryan. We have had some fantastic guests on, and thank you for for their time because they didn't need to to come on uh, and chat, but they they gave their time, and it was really really interesting to get all these different perspectives, and that's obviously what this podcast is all about. Um, so moving on to this is point eight now, so we're almost almost on the home straight. Um, we learned where statistically to score a penalty or best place to score a penalty and this was episode 35 penalytics which <laughs> i don't know whether that was yours or mine again i think but, we know <laughs> yeah i think that yeah ryan called it penalytics um <laughs> so yeah i won't ruin it too much we have to go back to the episode um and, and listen to see obviously where uh the location of the, the statistically the best places to put your penalty um, but there was some research and obviously some data and some statistics to back it up um, to say where best to, to place it. And I mean, the clue would be if you were to divide the goal into six zones, six areas in terms of, yeah, I think I did this last time in the episode and I got confused, but top left, <laughs> bottom left, middle upper, middle lower, top right, bottom right. There you go. Of all it. the clever things you do in your day-to-day job, that shouldn't be the hardest thing to divide the goal <laughs> into six pieces, should it? <laughs> Oh no, I just, I can't verbalise it. I can see it, but it's obviously, this is a podcast and this, you can't show it visually. Um, Have a word so with yeah. Mohamed Salah, mate, after last night. Wow, I mean, yeah. that was a terrible penalty, wasn't it? Let's move swiftly on. <laughs> and uh, I think in the episode as well, we chatted about, obviously, the psychology of a penalty of, you know, it's such a unique part of the game, but that kind of, who's going to lose their nerve first? Is it the penalty yeah. taker or the, obviously, the goalkeeper? Because, you know, you can give so much away with the your stance and your... Um, your body language and things like that. So I remember go, we went sort of really deep into that, didn't we? And that was another fun one um, to get into. Um, so yeah, Penalytics, episode 35. If you don't know where statistically the best place to put a penalty is, then go back and listen to it. Very then simple. go find out. It's simple as, just go find out. Yeah. And another thing you can go find out is uh, point number nine. If you were to go back and listen to episode 40, do you know, actually, this was one of my favourite episodes I think we've done. I remember, we, yeah. We looked at the concept of scanning, didn't we? Which is not something I was overly familiar with. And I remember this was one that you sort of had teed up a couple of weeks before saying you wanted to look into. And there'd been some great research done, hadn't there, that we sort of had had a look at. And uh, obviously the, the sort of the concept of, you know, knowing your surroundings before the ball arrives at your feet is actually a very... Again, is, would we say that's one that is kind of, it's not rocket science in the sense that, you know, having played football, you'd look around and you'd obviously check your shoulder or something. But actually, when you think about it and the sort of the the, the statistics and the, and the seconds and the timings that we sort of discussed was a very interesting one, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think exactly that. And it's similar to the whole pressing thing is that it's not necessarily that people haven't done this already since football began, but it's something which has now kind of had more attention brought onto it and it was something that's been you know from a research perspective been pioneered by someone called Guillaume Jordet uh, and it, it's getting more and more attention and this is the thing that it's it yeah it existed before but there's now maybe better ways to to quantify it and these he sort of set up more of a, a research lab and there's loads and loads of different work going on more and more kind of technology being used to quantify how much a player scans and we break down the difference in positions between a defender and a midfielder and and how their their scanning tendencies change and how more scans often leads to um you know the free higher frequency of scans leads to better pass completion and things like that so i remember yeah going deep into that one and and trying to you know pin down some some actual names within european football of who are the best at it um 
that was that was a really fun one. And yeah, we went all the way through the research and obviously applied it to to football context. It was good. And I think and I think recently, Mark as well, we went to watch Arsenal women play Barcelona women, didn't we? And yeah, we League. were obviously when you watch a live game of football, we were sort of sat next to each other and mentioned this. You you, you notice more, don't you, when you look at one player, not on a TV oh, yeah. screen, but in real life. You when you when you watch one player you notice like it's it's constant isn't it the 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 quick scan then the receive the ball move on quick it was it was patellas wasn't it who she every time she received the ball she she looked over her shoulder about five times before mm. before and she just knew her surroundings and you could tell was you know best player on the pitch by a mile because of you know just her awareness and 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 yeah it, it was it was brilliant to see wasn't it yeah, no, it was it was a joy to watch. As you say, you get to do that far more when you watch things live. But she was she was just pulling the strings, and it's no wonder that she is has this year been the Ballon d'Or winner. She was mm. brilliant, um, and yeah, it just goes to show just how much that is the case that she just had an appreciation of the space so yeah. much. And again, I suppose that could then lead into pitch control of having that appreciation of space. So it all ties in together, Ryan. Absolutely, and this brings us on to the final one. Which, Whoa. to be honest, I think this this last one is um, we we cover as a bit of a thread throughout a, a few episodes. I think is that sort of the importance of specialist coaches or sort of specialisms within football, I should say, or more specific things like set pieces, for example. So we did one only only recently about the how to score a corner and using set pieces and how to kind of maximise the efficiency of scoring from a corner. We spoke about. Um, bench boost episode 45 bench boost of uh talking about substitutions and how best to to prepare uh your substitutes that sort of specialist substitutes sub substitute coach which is harder for me to say than i've realized um <laughs> and and we had you mentioned it before when we had thomas granamark on who is a obviously a specialist throwing coach and has worked with some of the top teams in europe on that which i remember we spoke about didn't we ryan that there's there were a lot of pundits in the mainstream media who were let's say skeptical about the idea of more and more set piece coaches coming in um, and talking about Thomas Gronemark as an example um, of saying well why can't the, the coaches and the manager be able to do that sort of thing like what is it about the this specialist coach that's any better than the the manager and the coaches that they already have but it, as we spoke about finding an edge within the game and it's in elite sport it's any sort of small percentage that you can get to improve your team yeah. can be huge and can be the difference between winning and losing. Winning and losing a game, winning and losing a league, winning and losing a, a cup competition. So these these coaches exist more and more now. And I remember we said about it, there's um, Aston Villa had uh, a set-piece coach. Manchester United had brought in a set-piece coach at the start of this season. That, yeah, however you can get an edge, absolutely do it because it's it's proven lucrative for a lot of teams. So there was multiple episodes there um, but it was all about that, the importance of specialist coaches. And I still think there's more that we can cover on that next year. Absolutely. And, well, I, I, you know, that we've we kind of round that off with, with 10 things that we've learned. But there's actually way more than 10 things in there, isn't there? Which which just goes <laughs> to show, actually, it, you know, we've covered a lot this year, which has been which has been great, really, to be honest. I really enjoy sort of delving into things that I certainly haven't delved into before in my footballing fan career and uh, and I think the exciting thing is you know rounding off and going into 2022 there's hopefully lots more that we can look into isn't there and, and the, the the possibilities are endless I know that we sort of constantly have our finger on the pulse in terms of trying to come up with new 
concepts and things that we'd like to look at. I know, for instance, I would love to look at some statistics behind refereeing, which I know uh, is something that we've discussed. And and refereeing, VAR, even though they're painful subjects sometimes, it's quite fascinating, really, isn't it? If we, you know, such a large part of the game really affects the way that it's played. It's something we haven't really ever looked into before. Um, I'd really like to do that at some point. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure there's lots of things that you would like to look into. Yeah, I think it's it's funny, isn't it? The, not that we ever feel like we don't have anything to talk about each week, but the more that once you open up one conversation, I feel like it branches off into multiple other conversations. Yeah. So just as we said, the idea of specialist coaches, we spoke about corners. I think there should be a whole episode on free kicks, for example, yeah. another lucrative set piece. Do you know what I mean? I think that you, the, the more you unpick and unpack, the, the more you realize there's just so many other things to talk about. So, you know, as listeners know, we're not just going to go through explaining a new metric each episode. That's, you know, there's only a finite number of metrics out there. But yeah, we, we can start to just, yeah, unpick more and more things about the game and see how we can potentially measure it or look at it more objectively so yes i think uh refereeing could be a good one free kick could be a good one i think there's more and more um you know from a statistical perspective from a data perspective there's more and more off-ball data now physical data um, and a lot of really good uh, organizations and companies who collect that sort of data so it'd be good to to unpack that a little bit more um of looking at you know off-ball runs and how you know not just event data what goes on on the ball but looking at more off-ball movements, which we've touched upon before, but I think it would be good to delve into that more. Um, and more guests, Ryan. I Absolutely. think we should try and maybe maybe between us set ourselves another goal of sort of the type of guests we'd like to have on, but it'd be great to have more more voices on the podcast as well. Absolutely. And also, if anyone is listening to the podcast who who feels like they'd like to like to come on and have a conversation with us about something interesting, then feel free to sort of get in touch and, and, and make a suggestion. We always love hearing from... Uh, from the listen, I feel like that's something that this year has been absolutely brilliant, hasn't it, Mark? Even more so than the first year, we, we've we've sort of heard from lots of people who we never would have got in touch with before, um, or or never knew were out there who've sort of said they've enjoyed listening to the podcast and sort of what we've been discussing. So yeah, thank you once again properly to everyone for for sort of interacting with us this year. The support and the interaction has been has been really great, hasn't it, Mark? Absolutely, yeah. No, thank you. Thank you to everybody. And I guess this is a good time as any to say, yeah, thank you for all of your support and everyone who have listened. We really appreciate you just listening uh, as well. If there's no sort of feedback or anything, thank you to all those who have who have listened. Um, and hopefully speaking on behalf of both of us, Ryan, I hope everyone has had a good year um, and wish everyone a happy new year for 2022. Absolutely. And uh, rolling into 2022, let's hope it's going to be a good year for the podcast. Listeners, please do tell your friends at home about us. We want to share it with as many people as possible. And uh, and with your help, hopefully we can have another good year of stuff next year. You can get in contact with us. We might as well say it for the final time yes, this year, Mark. Why not? Yeah, we are, we're on email. We are fanalytics.pod at gmail.com. And if you don't have emails anymore, because the kids <laughs> don't do that, you use social media. We've got Instagram. We've got Twitter at fanalytics.com. Pod. so please do get in touch with us and as mark said please do have a very happy new year and we will see you on the other side goodbye for now sports social podcast network